We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Oh, it is so good to see you, my friends, and welcome to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Vliet, and we've got a legend with us here in the Blue Wire studios of the Wynn Las Vegas. The former UFC light heavyweight champion, Quentin Rampage Jackson, is with us. And man, what a career he's had. And this is such a great conversation because he doesn't hold back on anything. So glad you're here with us for this. And a big thank you to Harrison Rogers, the founder of United Fight League, who connected us and set this up. And man, congrats to him on everything he's doing. United Fight League is offering medical coverage to their fighters. We talk about it during this interview, but just want to put that out there. If in the meantime, while you're listening to this, you want to check him out, it's United Fight League. Dot com, But snap a screenshot since you're doing things on your phone and share it on social media and tag us so we can share it out. Rampage is at Rampage, the number four real. So Rampage for real. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And hey, TJF923, thank you for leaving this review on Apple Podcasts. It says, my favorite wrestling podcast. I started watching CVV in late 2019 when I interviewed guys like Enzo, Santino, and Austin Aries. And I was instantly hooked. There's something about him that just makes me want to see insert wrestler here, get interviewed to get him uh, Steve Austin interview or even Jericho. That'd be great. Hope he keeps being great and stays grateful. I appreciate the kind words. I will keep reading one review out from Apple Podcasts on every single episode as my way to say, hey, thanks for being on this journey with me because I seriously can't do this without you. Now, without further ado, I mean, who likes any ado? Is it any? point in time, right? Without any further ado, you know what I mean. Let's dive into this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Quentin Rampage Jackson. The man himself, Rampage Jackson. Thank you so much for coming by. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been, I've been, I spent the whole day with you. This has been so much fun. I know it's been cool. Yeah. Who's the first person that ever called you Rampage? Uh, my cousin Tyrone when I was eight years old. And it's just stuck? From that moment? Well, uh, it really didn't stick until I tattooed it on my arm when I was like, what, 14? You did it yourself? Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> the worst tattoo I, I ever I ever seen. Is that I, why it's covered up now? That's right. I covered this up <laughs> right before my, my first professional fight, I think. I, I was too embarrassed. I was too embarrassed to have Rampage going down my arm all crooked and I almost misspelled it. 
It was bad, brother. One was like worse than a prison house, like needle and thread. How did you do it? You put a needle, you get you wrap thread around it. Yeah. And for the first letter, that dude that taught me how to do it said, oh, you got to burn the needle. So the R was all messed up and burnt at the top. I was about like, man, this, that don't make sense. So the R looks all messed up at, in, in, you know, in front. Then I just, just did like this. Like with just ink from like a pen or what? Uh, it was, the guy told me it was Indian ink. That's all I knew. And how long did you have this tattoo for? Years. I had it, I had it from 14 all the way up to, till I covered it up when uh, maybe I was like 21. Oh, man. So what was the idea of covering it up with this? Uh, I was just really embarrassed about it. And uh, I went to a, a tattoo um, shop in Temecula somewhere because I was hanging out with some some people that live in Temecula. And... You could be drinking wine while you're out there, too. <laughs> wine country. Yeah, I don't think it was a wine country back then. <laughs> wine country now, for I sure. Probably, it probably was. I just didn't know. That. Yeah, and, and they took me to the tattoo place. And this was the only one that could cover up the my my tattoo, correct? Man, that looks good. Yeah, it's not bad. What do you mean, not bad? It, it looked way better when it first got done. It looked like people thought it was branded on. The guy really dug in there deep, and it was like real dark, and it was like it was you mm. could feel it. Mm. But you know, it's faded over the years. Looks good. Oh, thanks. You look like you could fight right now, man. Could I, you? I don't know, man. I'm I'm um I'm out of shape, man. I'm I'm a big boy. But you, you're you're a, you have a big frame too, though. Yeah, yeah. I've been training. I've been lifting. I've been lifting a lot of weights. I've been doing more weights than um, MMA training. Like, are you getting ready to maybe fight? Like, you're not officially retired. No, I never officially re- retired. So uh, I do, I do, I do want to fight. Like maybe like two or three more fights, and I want to do like at least at least one boxing match before I get too old. It's a lot of money in boxing right now. Yeah, it is a lot of money in boxing. But I just want to do a boxing match. I've always have. Do you have an opponent in mind? No, I have no opponents in mind. I just, I just want to box somebody. You think it'd be a heavyweight? Yeah, it would have to be a heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> what do you weigh right now? Right now, I weigh two ninety. Two ninety. I, I weighed myself this morning. I was two ninety. Wow, I, I, I wouldn't think you're two ninety. I got big, big legs, big ass, and a big belly. <laughs> Your belly's not that big. It's big, man. I feel like you could fight at heavyweight in a few weeks, though, if you needed to. No, it would take me a couple months. I'm I'm gonna um, keep lifting uh, for a while because uh, me and my friend um, Harrison Rogers, we we both get in shape so we can do a movie together. And then I'm going to just keep keep trying to get in shape. I want to go to Thailand and train with Bob Sapp. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember yeah, him. You remember of Bob? Yeah, Bob Sapp is right now. He's like um, 320 pounds, like seven percent body fat. What? Yeah, he's ripped. And he told me, like, hey, I can get you in this type of shape. So I, I want to go out there and see what he's doing. So if you were 7% body fat, what would you weigh? I don't know. If I was 7% body fat, I'd probably get all the way down, like, to 205, maybe. You'd be back to 205? I'd probably be back at 205. I'd probably be walking around at 205. Could you have another light heavyweight match in the UFC? If I can get down if I can get down to 7% body fat. But that's, <laughs> I don't think that's safe for um, fighting, though. 7% body fat. Well, or, like, cutting that much weight. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I just don't feel like that's safe. When you fought at two hundred five, what would you walk around at? Well, it depends on what years you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about the like when you won the championship? Uh, when I won a championship, uh, when I beat Chuck, uh, so I was probably walking around like uh, two fifteen. Okay, a pretty easy cut. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I really didn't have to cut that much. Because during camp, I would lose like a lot. So I probably, I probably, I probably had to cut like. Eight pounds, maybe. So then, what are some other times where you were cutting way more? Oh, later on in my career, you know, um, 
his injuries got worse. Um, I, I remember I had to start cutting 30 pounds when I was in Bellator. 30 pounds. I had to cut 30 pounds. So, because uh, some dumbass, um, two specialists mixed diagnosed me with hypothyroid. And they put me on medicine. I, it made me gain weight. I was supposed to lose weight. Yeah. But I was gaining weight. So, I... I I didn't figure it out, you know. So How did you figure it out? How did you know that it was a misdiagnosis? Well, I, I didn't figure it out until a month before my last fight. I um I was training with um Coach Cal. I don't know if you know him. He he trains a lot of um he trains a lot of guys like um um my, my friend Juan Atuleta and he train he trains a lot of a lot of good athletes and stuff and um he's a scientist and he said, Let me I told him about my problem. He said, Let me look at your blood panel. And he looked at my my blood and those specialists that I don't think they did this. And he looked at it and he said, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with your thyroid." He says, "Your T3, something's wrong with your T3." And he said, "That medicine that you're on is um, making you gain weight." Oh man! And then I, I said, and that's so why I quit cold turkey. He was like, "No, no, 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 you shouldn't quit cold turkey." But I was like, "Man, I, I gotta cut weight to make it weight. I gotta lose weight." It, it, so I quit cold turkey and it just backfired on me. Wow! So I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to. Trying to get everything right, but I think that for my body style, I think that maybe I'm gonna have to cut out a whole bunch of stuff like carbs, sugars, <laughs> all the fun stuff, water. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not water. What's like? What's the go-to cheat meal for you? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really a foodie. I'm not really a foodie, but um, man, if if but uh, if I have like a cheat meal when I when I'm on a strict diet, sometimes I have cheat, cheat meal. I, I I like to order pizza or you know, burger and fries. I'm I'm not a big foodie. I'm such a sucker for pizza. Oh man, yeah. like it's just so easy. Oh yeah, yeah. So what, what's your what's your pizza choice? Honestly, it's just pepperoni. Oh yeah, pepperoni is always good. Because for me, then I can compare the pepperoni pie at this place to this place to this place, and it's you know one topping all across the board. Yeah, all my friends make fun of me because um, Pizza Hut is my favorite, and they was like, "Come on, they're like, man, you don't know good pizza." But I, I'm not a foodie. I like what I like. My wife makes fun of me relentlessly because I love Domino's. Oh, yeah. The Domino's crust is unbelievable that, like, the way they do the garlic on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut, because you get the extra marinara sauce, you dip your pizza in there. It's like... That's real, yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. What was the fight where you ended up, you missed weight and you, you fought a, like a catch weight? I did, was that did, during that time? That did happen to me, didn't it? Yeah. I love that you don't even know. This is great. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I, only fight I ever remember missing weight was early in my career when I fought um, at King of the Cage. This was in UFC, I think. Oh, I don't remember ever. I never missed weight in the UFC. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, look, look it up. I don't. Rem, I don't we've remember got, that. We've got all the world's information yeah, at our fingertips yeah. here. Yeah, because no, I don't. I just don't. Rem, I don't remember that. I just. I remember one time I missed weight in. When I was supposed to fight in King of Cage, but the guy told me, uh, oh, don't worry about cutting weight. He's not paying me enough, so I'm not going to fight. So I stopped cutting weight. I had like a pound and a half to go. But maybe that's it. I don't know. No, no. That was, you probably wouldn't have heard of this King, this King of Cage. This is a long time ago. This is like 18 years ago. Well, we've got all the world's information here. Do you know, if, would you be able to tell me every single person that you've, uh, that you've fought? No. <laughs> I got like, what, 60 fights? I don't know. You've got uh, 52 matches. Oh, 52. 52 professional I don't even fights. Know, I don't even know my record. Ryan Bader, UFC 144. Catch weight, one, 211 pounds. Jackson missed weight. That's what it says here. 
It was uh, in Japan. Do you remember this? No, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> missing weight for the fight. But do you remember man, fighting Bader? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? I probably, I probably did miss weight for the fight because um. Oh, you know what? Now he remembers. I do remember. I I did I did miss weight for that fight because um that was my first time ever doing um TRT. I did um that was but, back when it was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, a doctor prescribed it to me. I had um I had partially torn like my meniscus uh, training for for him. And uh, I didn't want to pull out of the fight because I was fighting in Japan. You know, it's my favorite place to fight. And um, the doctor prescribed me um, TRT and said it would make me heal faster. And did it? Uh, it, it was a better. I, I got through the fight. I guess I couldn't. I couldn't keep running. I couldn't lose weight. And uh, I ended up turning in the fight anyway. Oh, wow. it, it ripped it all the way. Had to get surgery right after that one. So I, I probably did miss weight for that fight. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, it's not me. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the internet. Yeah, the think, internet's undefeated. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I just didn't remember. Yeah, because mm. because I remember um, my body reacted to it, and I re I remember I, I got stronger, I got bigger. So one of the things that I think is fascinating about you is I'm a big pro wrestling fan. You grew up as a big pro wrestling fan. Yeah. Was there any chance when you were growing up that it might have been pro wrestling instead of MMA? Oh, it was. It was. It was, uh, it was always supposed to be pro wrestling. You know, um, I used to be a really big pro wrestling fan from Memphis, and my oldest brother was a big pro wrestling fan. So it was like I, I grew up watching him, watching him watch it. And uh, we used to always go to like the um, the Monday night, uh, like Monday night Raw. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't called Monday night Raw there. before then. Yeah, it was something else. It was called Monday. It was Monday night fights, and uh, and they used to have it free on Sundays, where they give you free tickets. You go to the studio. I've been there a couple of times. Is this like uh, what Jerry the King Lawler yeah, was doing? Like yeah. Memphis Championship Wrestling? Yeah, Jeff Jarrett with, yeah. with Jarrett and stuff. And um, the Master of Pain. So yeah. who were your guys growing up? Do, do you know who the Master of Pain is? He's yeah. very famous right now. Master of Pain? They call him the Undertaker. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've only, I only knew him as Mean Mark Calloway. No, I knew him. He was Master of Pain. He was my favorite. He was my favorite wrestler. Him and the Moondogs. I used to love the Moondogs. Wow. Yeah, and Jeff Jarrett, he was, when he was really young, he was, he was coming up. See, I always said people would be, this guy was like taking a photo. He's like, oh my God, it's Rampage. See, look, look how pumped people are. Of course <laughs> they good. are. Yeah, it's Rampage Jackson. That's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so what happened then along that journey? Like, why wasn't it pro wrestling? Uh, I don't, well, this, this is, this is something, I'm, it's kind of like a long story. Okay. I bumped into my favorite pro wrestler. Who's that? Uh -oh. Master of Pain. Okay. Undertaker. Yeah. And uh, this is when I started wrestling. I started wrestling because I thought it was pro wrestling. And uh, and I, I went to state. So I'm in Chattanooga and I'm in a hotel and I see uh, the Mas uh, Undertaker and I asked him for, for a picture. I mean, for an autograph. He said no. Then I saw him sign a little white kid's autograph. I was like, oh. But then years later, I think about, I was 17 years old. He didn't see you as a kid. And he didn't see me as a kid. I was yeah. still a kid. But he probably at seventeen years old. I thought I was, uh, you know, I was. I thought I was a kid. But and you I, probably had this voice too. I was like, big. hey, I was, can I get an autograph? Like, I wrestled. I wrestled one seventy one. Oh yeah, That's you a know, big seventeen year old. And I was all muscle and stuff like that. So he probably thought he probably thought I was a grown man. So years years later, like I, I regret telling my manager that story because um, the Undertaker wanted to take a picture with me. I was like, he wanted to meet me. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to meet Undertaker. I already met him. And um, and then my friend went back and said. Our rampage said he already met you. And then I'm like, no, I ain't never met him. And then I told my friend the story. And he said, oh, don't, don't, don't say that. Cause, cause one of my friends at the time, he was there, 
helping out with the pro wrestling. He was, and he do like websites and he was doing websites for porn girls and stuff. He kind of intermingled the two. So they didn't want him around really messing up. So he said, hey, listen, I'm already on the hot water. Don't tell anybody the story. I was like, okay, that's cool. I won't say nothing. But my, my manager at the time told, told the story. And then it got back to Undertaker, and he was like, "What? He, he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't remember it." I'm like, sure. Yeah, but but then I told him, told him everything, and I asked him the same questions I asked him when when I was a kid, you know. And and I felt bad, but when I got when I got a little older, I thought about, you know what? Um, he probably didn't know I was a kid. So so I want to apologize to Undertaker now for making him feel some type of way. He probably he probably thought. Because I, I know now when, when me now I never tell kids no if I don't have to like if it's like a kid like if I'm if somebody pushes me along with a lot of people and I can't I always try to get to the kids but you can't get to everybody 100 percent of the time yeah but I never tell a kid no because of that wow because that changed me not want to be a pro wrestler no more right but then it's been times where I told like grown men no but then I got the kid right mm-hmm. maybe one of those grown men was 17 or something and I thought it was grown man I thought he was older so. I understand. I understand now. So we can blame The Undertaker for you not being a pro wrestler and also thank The Undertaker for you being an MMA legend. <laughs> Seriously. Guess, yeah. Because I'm such a big believer that moments in our life happen for a reason. So if this thing doesn't happen, then that thing doesn't happen. So think about it. If your paths hadn't crossed, if whatever, you, you didn't have the chance to ask him for an autograph and that didn't happen, maybe you would have tried to be a pro wrestler and perhaps it wouldn't have worked out. You might, yeah, you might be right because pro, uh, pro wrestling that's tough. That's all. I don't think, I don't think I I have what they have because they got to wrestle every day. They got a lot. That's a lot. I don't think I, I don't think I would like to do it. I didn't know what I didn't know, I didn't know um, all the work that goes into it until I you know was at TNA for a little bit and I saw what they was doing and and how often they had to do it. I was like, man, I'm glad I went in MMA. And most of the people that you're seeing in TNA have been there for, at the very least, they've been doing it for five years, maybe 10 years. Legends at that point doing it for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. And yeah, you got to train. And then you got to go in front of a crowd and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Right. And then they do like shows, like they work like 300 days a year or something like that. Yeah, like WWE's on the road oh, okay. 300 days a year. But like TNA, which is now Impact Wrestling, they're not on the road as much. Oh. AEW only has two days a week. Now. Oh, okay. Maybe it's time for you to get back into pro wrestling. I don't know, man. I'm too old now. My my body's all beat up. I don't I, know. Chris Jericho's in his 50s. And he's doing great. Well, he because he's been active and doing yeah, all this. Doing it for thirty plus years. He knows how to take the fall. So maybe if they have me coming in as like what you call it, one of those bodyguards and forces, let sure. me beat up on people every now and then. Yeah, and you know I do that. That's fun. It was big news when you signed with TNA. It was big news, and I was so disappointed they didn't use me like I thought they was going to use me. Like your debut is you nose to nose with Kurt Angle, like incredible, dude. That broke the internet for me. Yeah. Then what happened from there? I don't want to talk bad about TNA, but if I'm going to keep it 100 like I always try to do, I just think they stupid. In what way? They, they didn't give you the time to train or what? Well, they were supposed to train me. They sent the ring to my to my gym. I had, I had my own gym at the time, but they never sent anybody over to train me and they never like, they never like, um, you know, put the time in to train me. I was, I was, I was serious about it. Who knows? I probably would have left MMA and been been like running Rousey or somebody by now. Well, there's so much of what you did in the octagon that was, that felt really pro wrestling inspired, like right. your entrance, you know, the the yell, even the name Rampage, like all of that is like pro wrestling written all over it. Yeah, I was made for pro wrestling. 
You were, which also made you such a massive star in UFC. Yeah, 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 you're right. But it's crazy to think that you were signed to TNA and you didn't even end up having a match there. Not even one match. Do you still want to have a pro wrestling match? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't matter. You know what? You know what? I did do something with WWE, though, when, when I promoted with the that. Yeah, yeah. Was, man, I had so much fun. Like, uh, the big show, everybody was real cool with me and stuff like that, but nobody would let me powerbomb them, though. <laughs> I was I was kind of disappointed in that. The the fact that you pulled off a power bomb in Pride is pretty much unbelievable. That, yeah, that was a hail mary. I had to end that fight. That guy, if he would have kicked me one more time, I couldn't pretend like I wasn't in pain. But you picked him up like he weighed nothing. Yeah, that's the wolf. <laughs> I lost my temper. That was on my twenty sixth birthday. I lost my temper because. Um, uh, Ricardo Rona, he had um, he, we had some history. I was supposed to fight him in a Grand Prix in a in a, in a tournament, but he uh, last minute act like he got hurt and got his friend, his teammate in there, uh, Marilo Bustamante, and Marilo Bustamante was a black belt at Jiu Jitsu like him, but they were two separate type of fighters. So I trained for um, Arona. I didn't train for Marilo, you know, and uh, I didn't find out I was fighting somebody different until I got to Japan. And uh, in the rules, when your opponent changed at that sort of of, of, of notice, they're supposed to give you a lesser opponent. But they didn't. They, Murillo was a champion at that time. He had left UFC a champion. And uh, and, and so I saw uh, Ricardo coming out of the, the 7-Eleven um, like, like when I got to Japan, like the uh, day before I had to cut weight or something like that. And he was just walking out of 7-Eleven. And as soon as he saw me, he's like, oh. Then he started limping. He had like two band-aids and an X on his knee. I was like, oh man, this guy faking. And so I knew what he did. Mm. He, you know, they were just trying to get get their teammate into Pride. Cause Pride was the biggest show on the on, on the planet yeah. at the time. So so fast forward, I, I ended up beating Mario Busamonte, but he almost guillotined me. I almost lost that fight. So I'm fighting, I'm fighting um Ricardo Arona. This is the only time in my in the history of, of fighting I ever lost my temper in a, in a fight. And he, we're fighting, and he, I, I already was mad at him because he did that to me, but he started healing me in my face, kicking me in my face with a heel, and that was hard. And I went down to, to, so he could miss me, right? He told the referee, oh, he knocked out. He's knocked out. And my, he dislocated my jaw with one of the heels. My jaw was like out of hands a little bit, and, and so that pissed me off. And then when he said that, told the referee, like, oh, he's knocked out, he's knocked out. See, those referees over there, they didn't like me. Mm. And they used to always give me yellow cards and stuff like that. So I didn't trust the referees. If the referee was on his shit, he could have just called the fight right then. He could have believed it like I was knocked out. So that pissed me off. And if you go back and watch that fight, it was right after that when I powerbombed him. Were you, in, like, trying to powerbomb him? Yeah, I was trying to put him through. The, <laughs> I was trying to put him through. The, I knew, I knew. I, and guess what? This is how stupid he, All he had to do was let go of my head. Seriously. That's all you had to do. Like people saying like, oh, just wrap the arm around the leg. You ain't even got, all you got to do is let go. It looked dangerous. Like some people have been knocked out for moves like that. Yeah, yeah. He, But you know what? I got a lot of shit for that. People say I headbutted him. That's not true. When you when he got knocked out, it was so hard that his, his it knocked him out instantly. Yeah. And his head came back and got me in the eye. Oh, you still have a scar. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, it was like, um, 20, 20 stitches, some 30 stitches, 15 on the inside, wow. 15 on the out. Is that the highlight that people go back to the most? Yeah, that, that, that. The Vanderlei knockouts. 
Yeah. Yeah, the Ventilate Knockout is my favorite one, though. The Why is that? The first one. Because I always knew I could beat Ventilate. But Ventilate gave me two of the worst ass whoopings of my, my life. But I always knew I could beat them because the first two times when I was training for Ventilate, it's just my team. I had a young team at the time. I was on Team Oyama. And, you know, my, my, my uh, Muay Thai coach, my coach, he was really good. He was solid. But he couldn't spar with me. And so I'm sparring with jiu-jitsu guys. And we had, like, one heavyweight on the team, and he couldn't fuck with me. He couldn't deal with me. So he would always, like, be running out of the ring. He didn't, he didn't want to spar. So I'm sparring with jujitsu guys, you know, training for a guy that's named the Axe Murderer. So, yeah. so I just I just, I just, just didn't have the the right training. But then the last two times when I trained with them, I had some really good um, teammates. Um, I had some really, I had some, I had some really good um, um, sparring. I had some really good sparring partners. MMA wasn't, what it is now when you were coming up. So how did you first find out about what it is? When I first found out about MMA? Yeah. Or like maybe the first time you watched the UFC. Uh, I remember I remember watching the UFC. Um, like on VHS or something? Yeah, back at college. Uh, one one of my college um, high school wrestling coaches was doing, uh, he was fighting in the UFC. Uh, his name is Vladimir Manichinko. He, um, he retired probably. He re, he retired before the UFC got mainstream, but uh, he's a UFC veteran, one of the pioneers. So he was training for the for the UFC. That's when I learned about it. Uh, and that's before you were training for. MMA? I was in wrestling. Just I was in college. Wrestling. I was college wrestling, and, and he was fighting. He was fighting. He was one of the coaches in college, and he was training for the UFC. So we would help him wrestle, and he would put us in like arm locks and stuff, right? So then I was like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> then they showed me. I'm like, "Oh, that's what it is." And I saw Horse Gracie. And, 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 and what's his name? Kim, Kimo? Kimo. Uh, uh, Kimbo, right? No, Kimo. Oh, Kimo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kimo. You came out with the cross. Yeah. Yes. And I saw Joe, Joe's son, that, that dude that from um, the Austin Powers movie. Yeah, and that was back when no, Ken no, Shamrock was, was doing his thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was getting, the dude that got hit in the nuts. I saw this. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? The UFC back then was the wild, wild west. It was the wild, wild west. And so I got injured in college and I went home, healed up. And one of my old teammates that I used to wrestle against in high school, man, his coach was really good friends. So, man, him, we knew each other. We was friends. We became really good friends. And he and he wanted me to help him train for a fight. I was, you know, you know, rest. He took me to the gym and he took me, he took me to a fight. And uh, and I saw this guy like the champion of Memphis. He was, he was, um, he was, uh, he was. Put, he put a guy in the armbar, triangle choke, and uh, and he <laughs> he tapped the guy, pushed his foot on his face, and uh, kicked him off. And uh, I was like, man, I, I I like to fight that guy. And I didn't know what I was talking. I don't, I, you know, I just never like you know dicks and stuff like. That. I just thought he was a dick, but he he actually a good guy. I saw him last time I was here. He uh, Mike Powell. He 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 um UFC veteran as well. Yeah, uh, and um. Uh, I thought he was a dick, but he, he's not. He's actually a good guy. And uh, I ended up fighting, a, fighting a, like a couple of weeks later. They, they, you know, I go back to the gym, stuff like that. And he was like, "Hey, you still want to fight?" I'm like, "Yeah, I fight." Like, you know, when it was like, "Oh, three days." Three days. Yeah, I was like, "Who?" They was like, "Remember that guy you saw? You want to fight? Here's your chance." I'm like, "Damn!" I spoke too soon, so I, I couldn't like back out. Right, so I, I fought him three days notice, and I ended up winning by decision. Yeah. What did you think you were going to end up doing for a living? If it wasn't pro wrestling, if you didn't find MMA, what were you going to college for? Uh, I went to college just to wrestle. I, just, I went to college just 
Because I, I just, majored in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to college to go to school because I already knew where I was going to be. My family owned construction companies back home, in Memphis. All my, all my, uh, you know, brothers and cousins, everybody do construction. So I, I figured pretty much that's what I was going to be. But I had just started wrestling when I turned seventeen, right? So, so, um, you know, I, I had just started. So I had when I turned eighteen in Tennessee, you can't wrestle. I got lucky to, to um, some college saw me. They thought I could make their their wrestlers tougher. You know, I wasn't good at anything. So I just go in the car and just keep wrestling. I don't think there's anybody in MMA who has a scarier stare down than you. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I, I, I grew up, I grew up in a, with a real hard childhood. You know, I'm like the white sheet of my family. And, you know, saying, so I was always in a bad mood. I was always like frowning and stuff like that. So I think, that's probably why I, I got like a mean face because I feel like I'm one of the nicest people in the world. And uh, hey, you're very nice. Yeah, but a lot of people say I look mean and stuff. So it's it goes it goes with it. But but real talk though, when I when I I I am two people. A lot of people don't understand that though. So I am two people. What do you mean? I'm Quentin and I'm Rampage. So mm. you know, so a lot of times when I fight and they stare down, it's Rampage staring at you. It ain't Quentin. I, Quentin, I just like to tell jokes and laugh and fuck bitch. I mean, I can't say. That. <laughs> You know, I like to have fun. What do most people call you? Rampage, right? A lot, of, a lot of people do. A lot of people call me Rampage, but some people, people call me Quentin. I don't, I don't tell people what to call me. Oh. People call me whatever they feel comfortable with. Right. Yeah. Did did the stare down immediately always become one of your trademarks? I don't, I, I had no idea. It was just I just know that it's it's one of the first fights uh, between you and the, your opponent, like the stare down. That's the that's one of the first fights, mm. and and. Uh, I don't like losing fights. Can you tell by looking in someone's eye if they have it or not? If you're going to win or not? No, I wish I could. But a lot of times you can tell they're scared. But if I'm going to be honest, I hate fighting scared people. Well, John Jones said he was scared to fight. Yeah. John Jones said he had nightmares leading up to that fight. Yeah, I hate fighting scared people because they get an extra boost of um, adrenaline. Could you tell when you looked him in the eye he was scared? Yeah, I knew he was scared. I knew he was scared all because he didn't want to do the stare down. That's why you went to some pictures. I turned my back to him and stuff and joke around because he 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 never want to look me in the eyes. I knew I knew John uh, was scared. You know that that fight. That's the only fight in my career where I've been uh, like almost close to a hundred percent. Not and none of my injuries hurt, and I and I trained really hard where I was like overconfident. I thought I was going to beat the shit out of that kid. I really thought I was. Is that the loss that hurts the most? No, no, that's not the that's not the one that hurt the most. John Jones turned out to be like the um, one of the best fighters in the world. Right. You know? Yeah, and um, he got me with one of my one of my most weakness, the rear naked choke. That's not that's not the one that's not the one that hurt me, hurt me the most. My my last fight is the one that hurt me the most against Fedor. That's that's the one that hurts me. The most. Why is that? Uh. Out of my whole career, that that was like the most embarrassing, and it was like the worst. It was the worst fight ever that I ever had, and uh, Bellator even thought that I didn't train for that fight. I know, I know, it looked like I did, but I actually, I actually trained harder for that fight than I did in in years. I just did different type of training. I trained with uh, with uh, no a different team, and I did different type of stuff that I don't normally do. But you know, I did train really hard for that fight. It's just that. My my health just wasn't right, and I just 
It just, it just, it was a surprise to me. I, I wasn't even, I looked really, I was really bloated and everything. And I, and I wasn't even that bloated when I got to Japan for that fight. It was just, it was just, it was just really bad. It's like one of those things where you think like, did somebody put some voodoo on me? Because how in the hell did I blow up? Like, get how did I get <laughs> this bloated? Yeah. Like, the, right before my fight. It was like one of those things. Speaking of John Jones, what do you think about his next match? Oh, um... I mean, gonna, it's so interesting that he's getting a title shot at heavyweight and he's never fought at heavyweight before. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, but it's, like I said, it's John Jones. I know, I get it. He's one of the best of all time. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that John Jones wrestling is going to make him victorious. I, I, I think that, um... Uh, if we get the John Jones who fought you, man, John, John is another story. John Jones is a great fighter, but I'm going to be 100. Even if he was in this room, I said, but he's the dirtiest fighter ever. He's the dirty. He's the dirtiest fighter ever, and and the guy's so smart. He 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 does the most dirtiest things. Like I know they had to, they changed the gloves just because of John Jones. I don't know if you know they changed the design of the gloves so you can't hold your hand like this no more. The glove the gloves they they formed it so they so they so they curve so you don't have your, your hand. So if you fight John Jones before they got the gloves, if you doing anything good on them. And he's gonna put his fingers in you. He's gonna poke you in the eye. And then if you advance and all you're doing anything good, you get the advantage, you're gonna kick your knee backwards. I for one, I think that that knee, that knee kick, they call it like an oblique kick, whatever the hell. That's he's kicking you right on your kneecap, kick in the back. I think that should be banned. And and I kept asking the referee to like, man, I'm like, get his fingers out of my eye. We're like, what's what's going on? Yeah. And I I cause cause those two things that you can end somebody's career, cause you if you if you detach my retina, yep. you know, in this career, you you messed my knee up really bad. Like, my knee is still messed up from that. Really? From oh, yeah. that fight? Wow. Yeah. My knee is still messed up from, from that fight. Wow. Because it, it hyperextended. It kicked it all the way back. Like, you can end, you can end people's careers with those those moves. So, yeah, John John, he, he's good. He don't even have to do that. Think about, go back and watch this fight. Think about all those spinning elbows he used to do in the beginning. Where did they land? Do you remember? Where'd they land? On the back of people's heads. That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, now that you think about it, yeah. It's legal. John Jones is like the, the dirtiest fighter, so that's... Are you not cool with John Jones? No, I'm cool with John Jones. Okay. When I see John Jones, we cool. I went... I, last time I saw... stick your fingers in his eyes now. Oh, yeah. I, you know, you know, it's a, it's a side of me that want to do stuff to... It's a side of me that want to do stuff to John Jones. It is. I'm not going to... I'm going to keep it real. It's, it's a side of me that... You never got a rematch either. No, I never got a rematch. I never got a rematch. Yeah. It's, it's a side of me that, you know, every time, and like I used to, I used to have a Lambo and I used to get in and out of the Lambo. Every time I used to get in and out of the Lambo, I used to be in a lot of pain. I used to think like, man, mm. let's make shit out of it. <laughs> it's a side of me, but then it's like, I always had honor when I fought. You know, I want to be the best fight on the day. I want to win the fight clean, but I know that every fighter's not like me, so I can't get mad at him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't get mad at him for that, but it's just, it's just me. But, you know, now my son is fighting. If, like, somebody did that shit to my son, I don't know what would happen because I can't control my my temper sometimes, right? I don't know if I would jump in the cage and go out, you know, somebody kick my son knee backwards or poke my son. I don't know. But me, mm. I don't I don't, I don't, don't love myself as much as I love my son, so it's just different, you know what I'm saying? When you talk about that temper, you versus that door on the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, that's, that's the most embarrassing TV moment for me. Really? Yeah. That's iconic. I was, I was, I, 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 I was so embarrassed about that. You man. shredded that door in like it was three a cheap seconds. Ass door, 
It was a cheap ass door, thank God. But even if it wasn't a cheap door, the, the door, I was leaving the room because they was cheating my teammates. I mean, my my fighter. I was coaching it, and you know those guys. They put their life. They was like they're making a break for their life, right? So those guys was telling me a whole bunch of stuff. It's like me with me. Everything adds up. I'm not just uh, people don't understand this about me. Even girls that date me, they don't understand this about me. When you do something to me, it adds up. It adds up. It adds up. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like go after you for the first little thing you do to me. It's gonna add up. It's gonna add up, and then after a while, then I just boom. And this might not be healthy because when I do explode, like. You're like, damn, you think I exploded on you for this one little thing, but it's been all the shit that you've done to me. So my fighters was, have been telling me, like, man, I can't get, like, good food. I can't get chicken. I can't get this. I can't get this. Because in the show, you got to write down. You can't go nowhere. You got to write down on the paper what you want. Yeah. And they said, if I, but if I write down alcohol, if I write down a bottle of vodka or something, they go and get it within an hour. But I would put on chicken for, like, two days. No chicken. I need veggies. This because they want them to be drunk during the reality you know, show. Yeah, and, yeah. and the other, but the, but the other team though, they said, "Oh no, they whatever they want, they get it right away." And then when the first time, when the first episode, first time I did it with Forrest, I'm be real, I'm be one hundred. I thought it was a race thing. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes black people we feel like that when we shouldn't, but sometimes we do. When when sometimes if we're not treated fair, we automatically think, "Oh, this is a race thing." But then I found out on the second season, it's not a race thing because Rashad Evans black too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then I found out it was it's a, a ultimate fighter thing because he's from the ultimate fighter. So they wanted him to win. They wanted his team to win. So they were treating my fighters like shit. And that fight, it was a really close fight. And, I, you know, my memory is bad because I've been punched a million times. I can't remember exactly <laughs> who was fighting. But it was a really close fight. And, I, and, and I've been fighting for 20 years. I know that my, my guy, if he was going to go to somebody, should have went to my guy. If not, it should have been, they should at least... Draw extra round, what, what not. It shouldn't have went to Rashad Evans' guy. And they gave it to his guy. So I'm like, I saw myself. I felt my, I know what it's like where I'm going to lose my temper. So I try to leave the room. I try to leave the room. So I'm leaving the room because I know what was going to I didn't know what, I didn't know what I was going to do. Because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I knew I was going to leave. I knew I needed to leave this room. And I remember throwing the bottle of water. And that's when it, that's, that's when, like, when I when I did that, I tried to open the door, and the door closed back. It was like a little bent. It closed back on me. I'm like, oh fuck this door, and that's what happened. And I was, and I, and I always get embarrassed when I when I lose my temper. I'm always embarrassed about it because I do like the most fucked up shit. And that door, that door had it come. <laughs> it's a great clip. Yeah, it, if it would have just opened and not bounced back on me, that door would still be standing. It'd still be alive. Yeah, fuck that door. <laughs> Did they have to replace the door immediately? Yeah, they, yeah, uh, like, yeah. Rampage, stay away from the door. Yeah, I think I think it took them like a day or two to replace. It. I remember it was weird. Walk. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I, I think I put more holes in the walls in the in the in the office. I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, it, yeah, we didn't have a door there for like a day or so. It's it's such a funny clip. Yeah, you know what? Today is my first time seeing a a, a, a funny version on Twitter, and I actually retweeted it. It's the first time I even fucked with. That image because they, um, I don't know how, what they, the computer, they put me somewhere else different. I'm gonna look at this. Yeah, I just retweeted it. on your today. Twitter? Yeah, okay. and I saw that. And and honestly, this is my first time actually kind of like laughing. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it wasn't even in the ultimate. They had me beating up the door and they, and they, they put, they, they like photoshopped something. Yeah, where? Oh, this is someone else beating. Oh, no, that. Yeah, where? Is that yeah. it? Yeah, but that's not. We all hate Nuke Door. 
oh, so this like Call of Duty or something. It's, it's not it's not the uh, studio. It's not the place. So I thought that was funny. They put me in a different place. I love that you retweeted. Yeah, I re- that's my first time fucking with Hey, that. you retweeted me. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see that. Uh, Twitter's, Twitter's weird, though. I don't understand the new Twitters. You I don't either. You can't see all the stuff. And though. everything on my feed now is people I don't follow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? I thought I was going crazy. Me too. Now I'm getting naked bitches on my, my I'm like, hold on, I don't follow this naked big titty like, bitch. But I'm not really upset about it. No, I wasn't upset about it. I just had to look through her pictures and, you know. And then you're like, well, I might as well follow I, I her might, if she's yeah. here, you so, know. I think, that, I think that's what it is. Like, whatever you be looking at, I think they try to learn your algorithm. Mm, like when you go to that, uh, the explore page on Instagram. Yeah. I'm sure yours is just uh, boobs. Yeah. Bunch of chicks. Cars. Yeah. 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 Mine's just all the stuff my wife sends me now because we're having a baby. So it's like all this kid stuff. Yeah. See, it's going to soften, soften you up. See, I got to beat some doors up. Yeah. You got to you gotta let the inner man come out every now and then. I'm having a girl too. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be so soft. Yeah. You're going to be super soft, bro. You have a daughter? I have a daughter. She, she, yeah. You're going to be soft. She, <laughs> my daughter, my daughter changed me, bro. Cause I got three boys, right? And then my youngest is a daughter and it's like, Oh man, she cha- she changed me, she changed it, but she changed me for the for the for the best. So now it's like um, you you kind of think about karma. You when you think about dogging out a girl, you're like, ah, I don't want. I think uh, about that. I yeah. think the reason I'm having a girl is because of karma. Yeah, like you don't want to you don't want some guy doing to your daughter what you're going to do to her. Yeah. So yeah. does Rampage ever come out with your sons? Because I'm guessing you're just Quentin with your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm quitting. I'm quitting with my kids. I have a great relationship with with my kids. My two youngest ones, like we we you know we bump heads every now and then. My, but um, you know what? My son is fighting. One time, Rampage came out to him because um, that motherfucker sucker punched me like two years ago. I think. What he sucker punched me? Bro. Does he does he know who he's messing with? Man, he he was out of his mind. He sucker punched me. Then and what happened? I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I had to defend myself. I beat the shit out of him. But then, you know what? I I lost my temper and stuff. Because when he sucker punched me, he rocked me. And it was dangerous because it was like a, a big wooden table. Uh, I got like this old antique 100-year-old in, uh, door from India somewhere. And they turned into a table. If I would have failed and hit that, I probably would have been dead or hurt or something. I don't know. And Because, and, uh, you know, when you, get, when, you get, when you get sucker punched, the punch you don't see, that's the one that knocks you out. So he he rocked me, and then I just went to like fight mode, and I, I didn't didn't think that he was my son or nothing. It was just primal. And I beat the fuck out of him. But then he was I was beating him. He was bleeding out the nose. Then I came to, and he kept trying to fight me. He thought he said he could beat me up. He thought he could beat me up because because I was old, out of shape, and and I just I guillotine. He's the first person I ever put to sleep with a guillotine because normally I don't normally I don't get people in guillotines. I just, Were you just fighting over something stupid? Well, I don't want to put his business. Yeah, you don't have to. Tell I don't want to put his business yeah. out there. But my son, my son needed my help doing something, but he didn't want my help, and so he thought that he knew best. And he thought that uh, he thought that he could take me. So he he um, he sucker punched me. But my, and my other kids, are, that, it, you know, we we never we never had any problems. So just Quinn, just you're a softy with them. Well, I, I'm not super. I am kind. I, I think I am kind of soft around my kids because you know my two older kids. You know, I raised them by, by myself since they since they was little. My oldest son, he's 23. I I, I got cussed at him when he was three. His mom was a deadbeat, 
And then my, my other son, Roger, uh, I got him when he was six. His mom, you know what I'm saying, she straight up, and she passed away. Now she got murdered not too long ago. And so I had him, you know, since he was six. Thank God I got him. And and so I and I was married at first. But when I got my son, Roger, the one that sucker put me, my ex-wife like, nah, choose me or him. I had to choose my son. She she left me. She dipped. So I'm like, fuck. So I'm a single parent with two kids fighting in Japan. Yeah. And and so so I I think I kind of babied them a little bit too much because because you know they they I felt like um I felt like it was normal for you know we grew up in America without our dads being there but it's not normal for your mom to be a deadbeat so I I feel like I kind of babied them a little bit too much so I don't know you know because my two younger kids they're 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 straight A students they're like in honors they speak two languages and my and my and my you know so it's like ever since they was little. You know, you know your kids. I was like, my two younger kids, I'm going to save up a lot of money for their college fee, you know, college money saving so they go on, you know, college and they go need tuition and all this stuff. And my two oldest kids, I was like, I'm just going to save a lot of money for bail money and attorney fees because these motherfuckers, <laughs> <laughs> they wild. My two oldest ones, they they wild. You know, they just yeah. had they just had me growing, you know, taking care of them. And I was like busy trying to provide for, for all four of my kids. Yeah. And, and then I still took care of, I still took care of my mom, my dad, and 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 my my ex and everything. So I I was busy working, fighting, and and yeah. and raising these two boys. This new year, you've got goals, and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy that you need to tackle everything on your to do list with Factor's ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you've seen any of my videos on YouTube, you know that I've been talking about Factor for the last year, and I love how easy they make it. They not only help you skip the trip to the grocery store, but they help you skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleanup too. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy. And no matter what your lifestyle is, Factor has all the meals to help you live it to the fullest. They've got keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and Protein Plus meals. That's the one that I'm on right now. And they're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. And each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. So get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door and ready in two minutes. There's really no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time. Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Head to factormeals.com slash insight60 and use the code insight60. You'll get 60% off your first box. Yeah, 60% off. That code is insight60 at factormeals.com slash insight60 for 60, six, zero percent off your first box. 60% off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. What do you think is the biggest lesson that fighting taught you? Oh, you know, I feel feel like um, life is a fight. You know, life is a fight. And that's the lesson I learned. Like, you you got to fight every day because it's like, and, and fighting, you got to be real disciplined, you know. And, and in this world, you got to be real disciplined because there's a lot of evil people here. There's a lot of hate of people. There's a lot of hating people. There's a lot of drugs, a lot of things that get you off your, your path. I feel like, you know, you can be a positive person or you can be a negative person. It's just all about discipline. And you just got to fight every day for, for, for what you want because, I feel like I ain't nothing given to you. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to just go out and step in the octagon and this guy just going to lay down for you. You know what I'm saying? You got to go out there and take it. You got to win that fight. Yeah. And every day is a fight. You got you to gotta make sure you do the right thing. You know, the thing, thing about it, you just got to, you, you just got to be in a certain mental place because think about all these people that's in prison. Think about, think about, they, they go, to a Walmart, they go to a liquor store, they drinking, they doing something, and somebody says something stupid, and they get in a fight, and or they kill somebody, they stab somebody, they they drunk drunk driving, kill people, kill your friends, kill yourself. It's a, it's you got to stay disciplined. Life is a fight. You gotta you gotta you gotta try to win the fight every day, and that's that's what I learned. I just yeah. feel like every day is a fight for me, but that might just be my life because of where I came from, you know. Yeah. What do you think? has been the biggest change in MMA since you started? Because it's changed and shifted a lot. Oh, my God. This sport has evolved so much. When I first started fighting MMA, I like to say I was like the second wave of pioneers. There was, you know, pioneers before me, like, uh, you know, Dunn Fry and Horse Gracie, Horse Gracie Ken, Shamrock. Ken Shamrock and all those yeah. guys. And um, even Tito Ortiz and... and uh, the, yeah, a lot of those guys. Uh, Kevin Random and all those guys. Mark... Mark Coleman, Mark Kerr, all those guys, they were the first pyramids. Boss Rudin, all those guys, right? And then, because my, my wave, we was kind of like them. Uh, we we came into the sport knowing one art, but then we started training jujitsu uh, and and Muay Thai and wrestling, right? So my, my wave of pioneers, that's what we, we, we came to the sport 
knowing one art. So I was a wrestler. I came in then. I, I knew what worked from watching the UFC. What everybody knew. Everybody started training Muay Thai, wrestling, and and jujitsu. Nobody was really training boxing, karate, taekwondo, none of that stuff. And so now what has changed is these kids and these people coming in now. They already know all three arts. They already coming in already mixed martial artists before they even, you know, before they even go to their first amateur fight or whatever. Yeah. Like, I fought, I fought, like, five or six fights. Well, I didn't even know, I didn't even start training Muay Thai until after um, after my first fight in Pride. So I just, I had hit pads and hit the bag and stuff. Yeah. I never had, like, a stand-up coach. So I started training Jiu-Jitsu and my wrestling, and I, and I went and fought all the way to Pride, not even knowing... Not even knowing you had power in your hands. Not even knowing. Yeah. So much power in your hands. Yeah, they didn't even know. It. They didn't. Even, I never had a, a stand-up coach. And, wow. But, and so now these kids, they're first before their first amateur fight. They are already, you know, well-rounded in three arts. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on Jake Paul because he's putting a lot of eyes on combat sports right now. Yeah, Jake. Jake Paul is actually really good for. Uh, he he he. I think he. I think it was him that revived. What's, what's the word? Revised boxing. What's revitalized. The word? Revitalized boxing. Yeah, he's, and he's only been a pro for three years. Yeah, I, 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 I give, I give him that. He put eyes back on boxing, and he's, it's like entertainment. He's bring entertainment. A lot of people was bored during the pandemic, and he, he, um, gave a lot of people um entertainment, which is always a positive thing in, in, in my eyes because I love entertaining people. And um, but up to this point, he hasn't fought a boxer. No, he hasn't. So now fought. he's got Tommy Fury in like four weeks. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna beat the shit out of Tommy Fury. <laughs> and nothing against Tommy Fury. I got nothing against him. You know, uh-huh. I look up to his brother and everything. But I I thought Tommy Fury was gonna I was rooting for him to beat Jake Paul as well. I just want I just want to see him fight a real boxer and get beat. I'm sorry. Cause just, you know, I I'm a fan of his. I like him, but he beat too many MMA fighters, right? So I'm I'm like, nah, he's he's he he gonna shit the bed with me. And then I looked at um, Fury, I was like, oh my God, that guy sucked. You don't think Tommy Fury's good? No. I think I think Jake Paul is gonna gonna be him too. So then Jake Paul wins this fight. Then then what does he do? If if Jake Paul is smart as I think he's smart, he keep doing what he's doing. Sounds like he's gonna go into MMA. I don't I don't know if he should do that unless he brings the same model that he's doing. See, people people don't notice what what he's doing. I don't know if I should, you know, say him. Put him out there for he's beating people. He's fighting people he knows he can beat. Yes, yeah, everybody knows that. Well, what? Oh, uh, okay. Then what's what's the problem? I think when and this is no disrespect to Ben Askren, who's an incredible world class wrestler and had you know so much domination in the fights that he had, but he's not a boxer. Right. So I think when you look at that fight on paper, you're like, oh, it's really going to be difficult for Ben Askren to win that fight. Right. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't surprised about. I was surprised that Ben Askren got knocked out so fast. That's I was surprised they called that fight when they did. Right. I thought Ben Askren could have kept going. Ben Askren didn't get knocked down to the ground. Oh, I must, I must be. Ben Askren was like on his feet, and they kind of went, oh, "Okay, it's over." Oh, okay, okay, because I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, Woodley. I, no, 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 I'm thinking about Ben Askren when he got knocked out with that flying knee. Oh. That's the image <laughs> I still have in my, yeah. in my head. My bad. I was yeah, like, yeah, my boy. I was like, oh, that, I'm like, damn, was he flat up? But that's. You know, like I said, I've been punched a lot, so my mind is. <laughs> but 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 Willie, my my boy Tyron, I was surprised. I thought I thought Tyron was going to beat him, and I was I was kind of disappointed because the first I'm a, fight was close. 
The one that went to decision? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tyron Woodley, and I, I, I thought that Tyron was going to be the one to get him. But then, like, he got flatlined that second flight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I low-key thought that um, that was a work, though, but people tell me, like, I'm wrong, so I kept my mouth shut. I think there's no way that they could fake that. I, I'm going to tell, tell you this right now. I know that there's been fake fights in MMA. I know that. In UFC? No. never. I've never seen a fake fight in UFC. In Pride? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, to make money on the money It's line? just entertainment. Pride was all about entertainment. Mm. So a lot of those pro wrestlers, a lot of those Japanese fighters, they were pro wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. So some of those fights was, was fake, right? And I've seen, I've seen fighters like, um, I've seen people, uh, I've seen them hit each other for real, but it's a fake fight. I've seen it. And, and mm. fighters, like, we, we're a different breed. Like, people don't understand this. We're a different breed. And uh, I've, this is what I feel. I could be 100% wrong, but I felt like Tyron knew he was going to get hit, but he probably just didn't know he was going to get knocked out. You understand what I'm saying? I just think with the commission involved, I, I, you can't make this. I don't think. I guess you're right, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying you just got to make it look good. You got to get hit for real. That was a hell of a knockout. Yeah, but you got to say, 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 me and you, me and you fight, and you, and 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 you tell, and you say, listen, rampage. I'm giving you ten million to take a dive, but we got, but that, we got, but we got to make it. I'm just saying, I'm just yeah, hypothetical. Yeah, I got you. And, and of course, I, no one's gonna believe that I would beat you. Right. Yes. Right. But but we just said, <laughs> okay. and you got to pay. You gonna pay me ten ten million to take a dive? But you said, hey, but it got to look good though. I got to really hit you. I'm like fuck, I get hit all the time. Okay, and then you know that you're going to hit me. I know that you're going to hit me, but you know you're going to knock me the fuck out. See, I'm thinking I'm just going to get hit, and I got to fall down. Boxers do that shit all the time. They're journeymen in boxing. People do that shit all the time. So, it's just probably me being such a big fan of Tyron that I want to believe that he, he he took a dive instead of, like, really got knocked out because I saw when Jake turned his glove and Willie dropped his head, and he did it twice, and then that... That just don't sit well with me. So I'm sorry. I feel like Jake did that a bunch of times during the fight. Well, you could be right. I don't know. I could be just like drinking the Kool-Aid off people off TikTok. There's there's a lot of people on TikTok that have that same theory. Yeah, I know, man. Shit. TikTok turned me into a flat earther. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. No. Oh, come on. Only only, just because of TikTok. Oh. I'm joking, bro. I know. (laughs) See, I got to, you know what I'm saying? I love I love space. I saw you promoting UFL the other day. Yeah. And I love it. Harrison Rogers here who started United Fight League and you're giving health coverage, health benefits to the fighters, which is absolutely unheard of. Unheard of. I'm going to tell you something. When I heard Harrison Rogers, when I heard his plan, what he wanted to do with his league, I was like, man, how can I be involved? Whatever you need, whatever you need me to do. I want my son to fight there. I, I, I'm kind of low-key jealous that this wasn't around when I was first starting out. This is this is what this sport needs. Like somebody to really to, you know, say be for the fighters. And not only is he giving life insurance, life insurance, health insurance, he's also giving them a stake in 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 the company. Yeah, and paying out dividends on profit. Yeah, and that's, that, that's unheard of. Unheard of. Unheard of, Harrison. Un, un, unheard of. Un, 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 Unheard of. It's like some people probably think it's too good to be true, but I'm, a, I'm I think that's one of the biggest things. I think I, one I, of the biggest things that people are saying is it's too good to be true. 
that can't actually be real. And if it is, there's no way that so, can last. So this is what, this is what I'm doing. Um, Harrison is um, letting me film this and show and show it to people on on, on their YouTube channel. Um, I'm gonna be going around America looking for my own team because I know what's coming. See, y'all don't know what's coming. I know what's coming. I'm gonna have my own team, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and look for these fighters that I want to be on my team, and. And once all this stuff get going, everybody's going to be like, wow, they're going to be blown away. Where's your gym going to be? Uh, I, I get a gym in Orange County. And, um, I'll they, have to come by. Yeah. They, it's going to be like an NBA-style team, you know? And we're going to have a cool cool name, cool logo. I don't want to get nothing in the way right now. And um, my team, you know, my style is going to be different from everybody because I'm different from everybody. I'm even going to have my own ring girls like cheerleaders. I'm going to do it big because I really believe in this. And I like, and he already started his own brands and stuff, and he's giving them a, a stake in that all together. So all these guys, they're going to be eating well. All these up, it's like up and comers, right? When they first start going, going like when they first start turning pro, that level like that, you know? So it's not like UFC level and fighters and stuff. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about choosing the profession of professional fighter is the upside is massive. You could make a ton of money. You could be super successful and well-known. The downside is also massive because when you're starting out, you're barely making any money yeah. and you're putting your health at risk, right. CTE and everything like that. So it's, it's amazing, that people, amazing that, you know, when you fall in love with the fight game, you're in love with it right? and you get bit by that bug. But the upside is huge. The downside is also huge. Right. I agree with you. When you first started out, you need something like this. You know, you, this is what you need. A, 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 a company is, giving you shares and they pay you a dividend and even when you're not fighting, you just, you in between fights and you're getting a check and it's all, and it's, it'd be smart for those guys just to, I think he's, I think Harrison is a genius. I know why he's doing it because I got to know Harrison before I, I, I jumped all the way in. I, 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 I peeped him out. And he's a good guy. He really means what he said. You know what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it real. That's all, that's all I can do. I, I know what he really wants to do with his company and stuff. So, these guys, they, this is what this is what this is what they need. They need some something like this, and, and it's genius what he's doing because they're going to promote the crap out of the brands and everything. Because if they're smart, because they're going to make a, more money because they because they have a piece of it, right? Sure, yeah. So I think I think it's smart, and it's also it's like it's a no, it's a, it's smart, but it also shows that he's not greedy. Well, it also shows that the company's looking out for you. That's what, yeah. It shows the company look out for you, not greedy. And it's actually, if you really think about it, it's fucking genius. If you really think about it, it's fucking genius. But only greedy people, well, they won't get it. They won't, why am I getting a piece of my, they don't get it. I wonder if there'll ever be any sort of fight union in boxing or anywhere I, else. I doubt it because boxing has been around for over 100 years. Yeah. And they never had one. I think um, Muhammad Ali wanted to. He talked about it. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to start something. See, see, um, football players—they get a pension when they retire. They get money, right? Basketball yeah. players, baseball players. Yeah, they've got a union. They got a yeah. union, right? They get, they get. They've got the players' association. Yeah, yeah. M MMA. They also go on strike when there's problems. Right. Yeah. We, we don't do that. Like, I, I don't think that MMA fighters. I don't think that we could go on strike because, say, say we all went on strike, there'd be like a hundred. Hundred more guys want to fight in the UFC, like hundred percent, dude. Some people fight in the UFC just to say they fought in the UFC. Yeah, I've, I think I've. I don't know how true this is, but I've heard of people fighting the UFC for little to no pay. 
Because they still, yeah, wow. Because they wanted to fight in the in the UFC, dude. I remember the UFC used to have like the behind the scenes, all the workers and stuff there, work working for them. Yeah, that they got them where they are, and then next thing you know, when they got real popular, it's people. That, you know how many hundreds of people it takes to make the show operate. Of course, yeah. Some of those people that work there now, they're fans of the sport and they work for half price of what the other people used to get paid because they want to work yeah. for the UFC. So it, they, they've they they've gotten that name to that point. Well, you know, I understand that, but, but hopefully, uh, you know, people will understand what Harrison is doing. I think it was grow and then I think it will make other leagues step their game up. Yeah. And then it'll be the norm that yeah. Rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. You know, they're going to see what's happening here and they're going to have to step up. Yeah. What's the least amount of money that you've ever fought for? Oh, the least amount of money? What, what 500 bucks. My first, my first two professional fights, I made 500 bucks. 500 to win? 500 flat. So whether you won or lost, you yeah. made 500 bucks. Yeah. Because I, well, yeah, because my first fight, I, my first professional Man. fight, I lost. What's the most amount of money you've made in a fight? I don't want to say. Tell that. me what fight it was. Can you tell me which opponent it is? I probably with pay per view and everything. I probably made the my most money on Chuck Liddell. Okay, millions. Wow, I can see that. Getting a cut of the gate, getting a cut yeah. of the pay per view. Yeah, it was. I don't want to say the number, but you don't have to say the number. It was over five million. Wow, because of the pay per view. Wow, which makes me wonder, like, what are guys like Connor making? Oh shit, Connor's probably making. 20, 30, 40 million now. But you know what? My, my pay-per-view deal was a mistake to the UFC. Um, I can't say too much. I don't want them to sue me, but I can say allegedly, right? Sure. Okay. Allegedly, somehow they changed my, my contract without me knowing because I know, I know I didn't know because I wouldn't sign that damn new contract because my pay-per-view was so good because they bought my contract when they bought WFA, they brought an uh, organization just to get me to fight Chuck Liddell. So they had to use my contract that was already in play, right? So they had to give me the purse that that, that was on their contract, and they had to give me the pay-per-view number. WFA gave me a crazy pay-per-view deal because they knew they wasn't going to have pay-per-view. Yeah. My dumb ass signed. I'm like, oh, they sure, yeah. don't make all this money. <laughs> they was like a little small show. They was trying to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they knew they wasn't going to have no pay-per-view. And it was a crazy pay-per-view deal. <laughs> crazy. And so and so when I fought Chuck, they had to give me all that pay-per-view money. And then you go back and watch, <laughs> you go back and watch my fights. My next two fights was on TV. <laughs> they didn't because get, you had the pay-per-view deal. You had that pay-per-view deal. And then oh, next thing you man. know, then next thing you know, I, when I finally go back to fight on pay-per-view, I look at my check. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? And I look at yeah. then. And I talked to him and it was like, oh no, you're not on that pay-per-view deal no more. I'm like, what the fuck is how did this change? I had a I had an incompetent manager at the time. And so so I don't know, I'm gonna say this allegedly. I don't know if if they was in cahoots with my manager, yeah. they gave my manager something to yeah, change yeah. it, or they just tricked my huh. manager and until so I don't know the contract and they showed me everything. And I was like, oh fuck. What movie do you make the most residuals from now? Some mailbox money every few months. You go, huh? That's pretty good. I can't, I, bro. I can't even say. It, man, I'd be getting like fifty cent checks from eighteen. <laughs> I'd be like little TV show. I'd be getting my residual checks. Be so small. I, I, I use them for like um, 
what you call that law of attraction shit. I be putting millions of dollars on it <laughs> and putting it on it so I can see it. I don't even cash. But for every 50 cent check you make for the ATM, you probably got one that's $500. I don't think I ever got a residual check that was $500. Really? I don't think so. I don't remember. I, w- I've been, I was in a few movies in 2013 and 2014. I still get residuals to this day. For real? Yeah, but they're for like $9, $6. You know what? I have got, I have gotten like residual checks for like $100, $40. $40. I never gotten. You were I, one of the stars of that movie. Bro, well, you know, you know how it is in Hollywood. They thought they were doing me a favor. I actually lost money doing that movie. What do you mean? Well, I make millions of dollars when I fight. You think my first movie, they're going to pay me millions of dollars? Probably not. And then I did, then I did like a press tour. The movie took, the movie took uh, what was it, took six months, three months. Let me think. It's been it's been fifteen years almost now. The movie the movie took three months to film, three to six months. I can't remember. Then the the tour was like four months. So you're saying you could have had a fight or two during that time? I could have had like yeah, two or three fights. <laughs> you know, I lost money doing it, but you know, I don't you got to work with Liam Neeson, right? I love yeah. that, man. That's my guy. You know, I, I I'm not I'm not all about money. I don't love money. But you know, I know it makes the world go around. That's one thing about me. I don't love it, but I, I I don't regret doing that movie. But I didn't do it for money, so I lost money. What do you think you learned from? I mean, you were some heavy hitters in that movie, Liam oh, Neeson, yeah. Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah. What do you think you learned from them that made you a better actor? Oh man, I learned so much. I learned so much from from them. One thing I learned from Liam is um, I, I noticed that after we shot a lot of scenes and stuff like that, Bradley Cooper and 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 a couple of other actors, you know, were, were, you know, like Chateau Copley, he was there. He, they would go look at the, um, what you call the it? The dailies? Yeah, they would yeah. go right there look at the dailies. Uh, and, and, the, and monitor the... Yeah, yeah, they would go look and see how they did. Video something. village, that's what they yeah, call it. Yeah, and I was yeah. do, so I was doing it with them at first, looking at stuff and looking at my... And I saw Liam sitting over there. He was he was sitting over there drinking his tea every time we cut. You know, it looked like tea, but I, it was wine. <laughs> I found out, like, reading his newspaper and then like drinking wine in like a little big teacup. And I was like, Liam, you, you're not going to go look at the day to see what he said. He said, nah. He said, he, he said, the director want me to do something different. He'll tell me. I'm like, oh, okay. Huh. I'm like, all right. So I was like, fuck it. I was with Liam after that. I didn't, I didn't stress out because they were stressed. They didn't like some stuff. They didn't, they saw stuff that in themselves that they didn't like because you know how mm. hard you are on yourself. Sure. And I was like that too. I didn't do some stuff that I did that I didn't like. And and that's the stuff that we don't know how many takes, we don't know which take they're going to use and edit it and stuff like that. You just stress yourself out over nothing and you go and talk to the director. Oh, I got to do this. I do. And I saw them all doing that. And then Liam, he was like, like the director wants something different. He'll tell me. He, he knew that wow. he was going to use all those all those clips. So I learned, I learned that, mm. I learned that from him. And then I saw how, um, I saw how um, Bradley, before he got in the scene, how he like, you know, it, it, he went, he went somewhere in his mind to get in the scene. See me, I, I, you know, I'm not an actor like that, right? So it's like, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of stuff I was doing, it was like, um, it was like ab living and stuff like that. You know, I was, it was, my stuff was easy, but then I had a couple of hard scenes and, um, and I saw Bradley, he would he would go, he would get to himself before the scene. He was getting his mind. And I had to do this really hard scene when I was um coming when we was in a diner when I had to t- when I had when we was in a diner, I had to tell him I, I didn't want to kill anymore. And that was a really hard scene. I really had to act. And I couldn't just do no ab living and and you know, you know, bounce off, you know, what they're saying and tell Murdoch to shut up, fool. I could you know what I'm saying? I couldn't I really had to act and so I 
I took a page from his book. I went before the scene. I went and um, went to myself and uh, you know, so I just got got myself got a quiet place. I just really thought about this scene, and I got in in the mind like, you know what? It took me back to to my childhood, like where I grew up in the streets, and you know, so if I had the choice to kill somebody, like I don't, you gotta, you really got to go there. Mm. When you act, cause you can, you know, when you acting, it's all in your face and your eyes and everything. Yeah. And I learned that from Bradley. Like you, uh. really, you really have to go. You have to find that place in your mind where this is can actually be something real. It's got to be believable that you were actually saying this for the audience to uh. buy. It. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was a a background actor in a movie with Liam Neeson. Which one? Called Chloe. I haven't seen that one. It was a movie with Liam Neeson and Julianne Moore, and. I was at a table this far away from Liam Neeson and I was blown away by just how subtle he is. Like he, action, he walks in and he says the lines to her, but he was saying them like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And I, I, I kind of looked up for a second. I'm like, is he? Oh, we're in the scene right now. It just felt so authentic. Yeah. And that's something I'll never forget. I only spent two days in that movie, but I'll never forget. Like it felt like they were having a genuine conversation. Yeah, he he's really good. Man. That's when you know he, he's on the next level. Like it's his his comfort. It's all about confidence. His confidence is up there, really high. And yeah, yeah. I feel that you just brought back memories. That's exactly how it is. It was like he was whispering, but he got that mic right there. Like we can't hear him, but I guess the mic is picking him good. And you yeah. think we think that we have to be loud and say stuff louder and stuff. But yeah, I remember he was like that. Like this, we were at a diner, so you wouldn't be talking loud. And right. I'm like. I would never put that together because I'm not an actor like he is. Yeah. But if you're at a diner, you'd be speaking softly. Yeah. And I was like, man. Yeah, he he's a, he's on the next level. Um, I remember the first time he he corrected me on something. Uh, I was driving the van. <laughs> we was doing the scene. And I was driving the van. I was bouncing down the stairway like this and shit. He was like, Rampage, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm driving, motherfucker. Don't you see me? He was like, you don't. When do you drive like that? You still turn the steering wheel like that. I was like, oh, fuck, he got me. Like, we don't be driving. You know, be, he said, he said, he said, man, drive like you drive like a normal car. Like, he, he's just so switched on like that. You don't, you think, because I've seen people in movies and TV shows driving and doing a steering wheel like that. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm trying to emulate. You know what I'm saying? But all acting is, is just recreating real life. Yeah, but you got to get If you were yeah. driving like this on the road, yeah. you'd be all over the place. You'd be all over you'd the road. you get pulled over. Yeah. Yeah. He he got it. I thought it was funny. He was like, he made me feel kind of stupid, but then I was like, okay. But they but they all knew that they all knew what I was. They knew I was a fighter, and they they all agreed that yeah, I think you're perfect for this ro- for this role. And, and I I don't have an ego. I come down. I'm surrounded by great actors. You know, yeah. Jessica Biel, yeah. all every all these, even the other people that was on it was, was was there. You know, it was it was you know it was crazy. They were making you the modern day Mr. T. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So I also big shoes to fill. Yeah. So I took direction from everybody. Anybody had something to say. I I didn't have ego, and and I just laughed off, you know, some stuff because they they knew that I wasn't like a seasoned yeah. actor, and they and they understood it. Everybody was, you know, good about it. I'm still close friends to all these guys. That's great. Yeah. Everybody still. All those guys were great. They're they're all super cool. So this has been so great. Running through everything, like going through your whole career here, but I end every conversation talking about gratitude because it's such an important part of my life. Oh, yeah. I wake up every day. I say out loud three things I'm grateful for before I go to bed. So, Rampage, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for? Um, oh, I'm grateful for um, my my kids. And uh, I'm grateful uh, about my, uh, 
you know what I'm saying, my relationship with the Most High, Most High God, because, um, like, his salvation, like, he, he, he saved my life many a times. And, um, this this real talk. I'm 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 great. I'm really grateful that um, I'm friends with, um, with with Harrison Rogers now, man. Man, we got really close, and I and uh, I've had a lot of evil people around me. I'm this real talk, and uh, when when I told him I had some land in my hometown, and he was like, "Oh, what you doing with it?" I'm like, "Shit, I don't know. I just, I just bought like fucking seven acres. I don't know what to do with it." Boom! He showed me heaven. Me he said, he said. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna show you how to do some stuff, and and he the type of guy that's like he want all his friends to to be multimillionaires like him, and I like people like that, mm. and that's what I need around. That's what I need around. I have other people just trying to get something from me. I, I, I'm I'm that's what I need around me. So those are the three things that I'm thankful for. I love that Harrison's great, dude. I mean, the reason that you and I are sitting here right now is because Harrison connected us. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, man. I see how big your fist is. I. It's, uh, it's not that big. I've heard that There's before. There's a lot of power go, behind that. Go ahead, go ahead and say, I've heard that before. It's not that big. I heard that before. I'm not, <laughs> it's not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> There's so much power behind these hands, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's not the it's not the hand. It's like, you got to ball up your fist super tight. Super tight. But all the power comes from your hips, your ass. Oh, like that. See, I got big legs, big ass. The way you throw the punch. Where you, that's, that's where, the power don't come from your arms. It comes. It comes all the way down from your feet. My boxing coach, uh, I love. I love him, Bobby Rimber, out of out of uh, out of UK. He said, "Reason why you punch so hard is because you got flat feet and you got big ass." That's why he said. That's why I punch so hard. That's a great note to end this on. So Rampage, thank you so much. No problem. Brother. There we go. Big thank you to Rampage for joining us inside the Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. And thank you to Harrison Rogers for connecting us together and making this interview happen. Man, that guy has some great stories. Take a screenshot. Let us know you're listening. Let us know which story stood out for you the most here and tag us so we can share it. Rampage is at Rampage for Real. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And I love this quote from Dale Carnegie. I'll leave you with this as we wrap this one up. Fear doesn't exist anywhere except in the mind. Be great. Be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.